You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. This morning, we're going to continue in our series on the Word of God, and we're going to jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 4 today. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, will you turn with me to 2 Timothy 4? And as we talked about last week, before the book was even read, when the book was opened, the people stood in reverence and awe and respect of the Word of God before it was even read. In the same way, would you please stand with me this morning as we get ready to read the Word of God? Second Timothy 4 says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and it will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So... This passage in 2 Timothy, it's a little interesting because this is what we believe to be the last letter ever written by Paul. And Paul is writing it to Timothy, which is one of his fellow um, partners in ministry and one of his friends, close enough to basically call him a brother. And Paul and Timothy were really good friends. And this is something that Paul is writing while he's in prison, probably somewhere in Rome, and he's writing this understanding that this is probably the last thing that Timothy will ever receive from Paul. This is Paul's last letter ever to be written. And when I think about that, I think about this idea of if I were to know when I was going to breathe my last breath, what would I say to those around me and to those I love? I know I'd want to make it good. I know that. I know I wouldn't want it to be an argument. I wouldn't want it to be out of frustration. I'd want it to come from love and respect. And if I know it's the last thing I say, I want to make sure I think it through and say the right thing. Well, I have two examples before we begin this morning of what I think is a good scenario and what I think is a bad scenario. So we're going to start with a bad scenario. With Spider-Man that just came out, I want to go back to the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Hopefully you've seen it. I mean, it's a classic. So what's happening is Uncle Ben is sitting in the car with Peter Parker, and it's his last real conversation with Peter. And he's trying to tell him it's in the famous quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And he's telling him that. Then he goes on to say, look, I know I'm not your father and I'm not trying to be. And then Peter responds with, well, don't try. Like, what are you doing then? And basically there's this argument of Uncle Ben is not Peter's real father, so he shouldn't be trying to butt in as if he is. And then Peter gets out of the car and goes away. Later on in the movie, then Uncle Ben gets attacked by a robber. And Peter's when he's walking down the street, he sees this crowd gathering with ambulance and police. And he runs over and it's his Uncle Ben. And he doesn't really get to say anything to him. And he watches his uncle die. And I can only think that his last thing he ever said to Uncle Ben was frustration and an argument. He never really got to reconcile that with his uncle. And then you have on the other end a super epic conclusion. And I bet you didn't see this this morning. 300. So pretty crazy movie. But at the end of 300, as all the arrows are about to come down, there's a guy named Stelios. And he's looking over to King Leonidas. And his last thing he says is, it's an honor to die by your side. 
I think, man, that is an epic ending right there. So you have on the one end, you know, this really sad, you know, last conclusion, didn't get to say what he wanted to say, didn't get to end with what he should have because he loved Uncle Ben, but yet didn't get to say what he wanted to. And then you have on the other end, you have Stilios, who his last breath was epic. Man, it is an honor to die by your side. I wouldn't want to go out any other way. Concluded his life on a high note. But then I look at Paul. And Paul's kind of in that same boat where this is his last letter written to Timothy. So this is the last thing he's going to tell Timothy. And I'm sure when you're writing something, it's a lot more thought out than just words. And when you speak it. So you can only think that what Paul is writing down is of a great importance. I mean, this is the last thing he's going to write to his fellow partner in ministry and to his best friend. I can only imagine the weight of what's being written. So that's what we're going to examine today. And we're going to look at this passage with the understanding of the importance of what Paul is writing to Timothy. And what we're going to, my hope is that we get from this passage is an understanding of what a true church is made up of. So there's going to be two points in today's sermon. It's not going to be a super long one. But I want us to examine two points that I think make up a true church that Paul is trying to explain to Timothy. And this is, this is what we're going to start off with. A true church is, starts with devoted church leaders. And what do I mean by that? I mean devoted church leaders that are devoted to the Word of God. Not just devoted to their tasks, not just devoted to their job. But I think that a church has to have church leaders who are devoted to the Word of God. As we talked about last week, you know, we talked about revival and the Word of God and how the Word of God is the only thing that can rewrite people's eternity. The power of God is the only thing that can rewrite someone's story. So you need to understand that the Word of God has all the strength to break the chains that are, we are held down to this world. And with that power, we as church leaders, whether you're an elder, a deacon, a staff member, we as church leaders need to be devoted to the world to the word of God this morning. And so I'm going to read this real quick and we're going to break it down and I'm going to just go through it. And I hope that you understand that as we start this new year, this is kind of what God's been putting on my heart, that we can be a church that's devoted to the the mission of the gospel, that we can be a church this new year that is focused on God and we're God-centered and we're living for him and not for ourselves. So this is what Paul begins with. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. So Paul's writing this. He's giving him a charge. But who is this charge before? This charge is before the presence of God in Christ Jesus. Now that's a pretty, pretty heavy charge. You know, we already talked about this is Paul's last thing written to Timothy. He's saying, look, I'm charging you to live this Christian life, to be this leader in ministry, but I'm calling you to do this in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. You see, there's a lot of weight behind this. And I hope you can feel what Paul is trying to get, that that this isn't just something that Paul is writing to as a friend. Hey, look, I think you should do these things. No, he's saying, look, you must do these things because your soul depends on it. You see that God is going to judge the living and the dead. And if you don't live faithfully to his word and stay true to his word, then you will be judged for that. So there's weight behind what Paul's about to teach Timothy. And I think we need to understand and read this in the same sense, in the same weight, what Paul is trying to get at, we need to understand as church leaders is this. He's saying Timothy needs to preach the word. So we're going to go one by one. Preach the word. This is exactly what we got out last week. And then we're going to continue with it. The word of God. 
That's what this sermon series is about, the Word of God. And we need to preach the Word. There's so many people and so many church leaders who get up and they want to just preach whatever they feel is on their heart. You know, they want to tell their story and they want to do this and that. If preachers and church leaders aren't teaching the Word of God, then they have no business leading people in, in the ministry and, and faith. Because ultimately, the only thing that matters is the Word of God. If I come up here and I write a sermon and I don't even use any scripture, then how does that benefit you in your faith? Because here's what I understood and what I understand and what God's been teaching me is that I'm getting up here leading you in the Word of God. And I've been reminded of my shortcomings and reminded of my failures and reminded that I am a sinful person. And it's so interesting to think that I can be up here and lead you in the teaching of God's word, even though I may be, you know, it may look like I'm more sinful than you. It may look like I don't have it all together. But this is the good thing. This is the good news. This is what I want you to see this morning is that Paul's telling Timothy, look, whatever you do, preach the word of God because that's what matters. So this morning, as I'm doing the same thing, I'm preaching the word of God because anything I can say, you may hear it, you may not, but anything God says, God can change your heart. God can change your life. God can change your soul. And I want you to see that, that, that if we're preaching the word of God, then God can move whether I'm adequate or not. Because ultimately, no one is fully adequate to preach the word of God because it is full of power and authority and his good and perfect will. And yet, if I come up here and try to do it justice, I won't. But if I pray and I allow the Holy Spirit to move in me and I allow God to speak through me, through his word, then people can hear what God's trying to teach. So I want you to see that we're called to teach through the word of God. But we have to be ready in season and out of season. This means that as church leaders, we need to be ready in season, out of season, meaning it can be translated in this way, that no matter what's happening, we should always be ready whether it's convenient for us or not. We should always be ready whether it's convenient for us or not. So if I think the only time that I can preach the word of God is up on a stage here in the sanctuary or in the youth building, and that's the only time that I can preach the word of God, then I am far from wrong. You need to understand that that if I think this is the only place to share the gospel, that that is not true. Because the whole world is a mission field. You see, as soon as I step out of my house in the morning and I go out into the world. It's a chance to share the gospel with someone. It's a chance to show them God's word, to teach them of a guy who died on the cross, who was resurrected three days later so that we can be called sinless. You see, I have this chance every time I step out of the house. It's not just when I come up here on stage. So I need to be ready in season and out of season. But this is what I also think it means. I think it means that You know, whether it's convenient for you or not. Sometimes I feel like it's easy to say, look, I'm leading all the time. I just want to go and have my own time. And say I'm at a restaurant and I'm with my family and I'm celebrating New Year's and and we're hanging out. And and I'm thinking, this is my time. This is, I want to relax. You know, I don't want to help anyone. I don't want to serve anyone. I don't want to do any of that. This is my time. But then I see someone who's in need. You know, maybe they need a little money. Maybe they need just to be shown love. Maybe they need grace. Maybe they need mercy. I don't know. What if, if, whatever it is, if someone's in need, what good is it for me to say, no, this is my time. I don't want to deal with that. You see, as a church leader, we need to be ready 
whether it's in season or out of season, whether it's convenient for us or not. So I know if you're just in the congregation, you probably think, man, I'm not a church leader. Why does this even apply to me? Here's what I'm getting at. There's going to be, we're going to get to the congregation in a second, but for now, the, the church is made up of elders and deacons and staff members, and there's a lot of y'all in this room this morning that are church leaders. So I pray that if you're not a church leader, that you're still hearing this and understanding that this is what you should be looking for in your church leader, and this is what you should be holding your church leaders accountable of, and this is what you should be striving to see in a true church, because a true church has leaders who lead in this way. We need to reprove or correct. And, and we looked at this idea of, of a pastor or preacher is called to be a shepherd. And I think it's the same way whether for me it's in student ministry and that's my flock. Or if you're a connection group leader, your connection group is your flock. If you're a shepherd, you're called to oversee and take care of your sheep. And if one is going astray, if a sheep is going astray, I can only imagine that if that shepherd does not go chase after that sheep, then he must truly not care about that sheep. And in the same way, if I'm loving my flock, I'm loving my sheep, I'm loving, loving the congregation well, and I see someone going astray, but I just continue to let them go astray, I don't correct them on their path, then can I say I truly love them and I care to lead them? I would say no. I would say that a church leader needs to understand his congregation, needs to understand his flock, and needs to correct them when they need correcting. But then there's also rebuke. If a sheep goes off and gets into a thicket, gets into somewhere it shouldn't be, and gets in trouble, and they're doing something they're not, then rebuke is more of bringing to light the situation and the wrongness of what they're doing. And I think church leaders are called to do the same thing as it needs to be loving, of course, but if you're continuing to let someone in your congregation continue to go and wander off and get lost in things they have no business doing, then you can't truly say that you love them and you care for them, especially if you're letting them walk away from God. And then lastly is exhort. And this means an abundance of encouragement. And this is where a lot of preachers get stuck on is this idea of encouragement. And encouragement is awesome. It needs to be preached, it needs to be taught, but it's only an aspect of what it looks like to be a devoted church leader. It's only an aspect. Because if you go to a church and they're only telling you good things, good news, and encouraging you, but they're not teaching you the truth of the gospel, then you're missing out on so much of what the word of God has to offer. You see that Paul is encouraging Timothy to lead those around him in such a way that they're encouraged, they're corrected and told what's wrong, that he's loving them in season and out of season, whether he's ready for it or not, and that he's doing all this with preaching the word of God. He's doing all this with the truth of the gospel and only with the truth of the gospel. And then I want to go on to the last bit of this passage it says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So the reason I put this whole passage in here, even though I only highlighted this, is because I want you to understand why Paul is writing this to Timothy. Why is Paul saying, look, I am charging you before the presence of God to live this life as a Christian minister. Why is he charging him to do this? 
Because look, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They won't want to listen to the truth. People won't want to hear what God has to say, but rather they'll want to go and hear what their own itching ears want to hear. They'll follow after the desires of their heart and stay in the world and seek after people who will tell them what they're doing is okay. But Paul is saying, look, that is not okay. You need to preach the truth of the gospel. Because if preaching those things gets you a lot of people following, gets you a great crowd and a large following, well, awesome. It may look like that church is flourishing. It may look like those people are flourishing. But if the truth of the gospel is not being preached, then there is no flourishment in that congregation. You see, we need to be church leaders who are leading those around us in such a way that we are preaching the truth of the gospel and we're doing it sober-minded, we're enduring suffering, whether that means that we don't have an abundance of people, whether that means that we are getting persecuted, whether people are pointing fingers and saying names and saying things like that, it doesn't matter. Whatever suffering may come, if it's for the truth of the gospel, we should rejoice in it and we should endure it. And then we should do the work of an evangelist. And this is the same idea with being ready in season or out of season. An evangelist is always sharing the truth of the gospel. An evangelist is always teaching God's word no matter what it costs them. And that's what we should also be doing as church leaders. And then it says fulfill your ministry. And I think about that. Our ministry should be God's ministry. As church leaders, our ministry should be God's ministry. And if we're making it our own, making it our personal ministry then it's not true ministry. Our ministry needs to be God's ministry. Okay, that's enough with church leaders because now I want to get into why I chose this passage and why I feel like God was laying this passage on my heart. And it's for this reason. It's a little trickier, but we need a congregation that's devoted to the word of God. And this is where I really hope you hear this because without proper teaching without church leaders who are devoted to the word and the truth of God's word, then you can't have a congregation who's devoted to God's word. Because listen to what Paul says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul is warning Timothy look, the time is coming. The time's already now where people are not going to want to hear what you have to say because they don't want to hear the truth of the gospel. They want to hear what they want to hear and what makes them feel good. You see, this is a time, thousands of years ago, Paul was writing this, and I can only imagine how much more relevant this is today. Because we live in a world where people want to be told what they're doing is okay. They want to do wrong things, but then be reassured that it's actually not wrong. Or maybe they want to be told that who they are is okay. Or what their identity is okay. Or what they believe to be is okay. They want to just do whatever they want. And they want to find someone who's telling them what they're doing, who they're following, how they're living is okay. And here's what Paul's warning. Is that there's actually people that do this. Because what do they do? They go find teachers for themselves to suit their own passions, meaning that there's other teachers out there teaching them what they want to hear. And this is where we need to be a church who's devoted to the Word of God. Because let me tell you, in this new year, there's going to be several opportunities for you to find people who are going to teach you what you want to hear. 
so that you feel okay with living in a sinful life. And this goes for you, this goes for me. Because the devil is always trying to tempt us, always trying to pull us away from God. So whatever little thing it is that we're saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to justify this. I don't think it's that bad. And then someone tells you, no, that's fine. You know, everyone does it. Well, then you tell yourself, okay, well, if everyone does it, he said it's not that bad, then, I mean, it's probably not that bad. You see, if your itching ears are desiring to hear something, you can find someone who will tell you what you want to hear. And you may even get a large gathering that way. But what Paul's saying is that, look, that's not, that's not what ministry is. Ministry is when you're devoted to the Word of God. Ministry is when your focus is what God's focus is. You see, why do people not want to hear the truth of the gospel? Because you've got to wrestle with this idea as well. Why are people itching to hear things that aren't what the gospel's saying? And here's what I landed on. The gospel is offensive. And you may not think so, and maybe if you agree, it's not offensive. But for someone who doesn't know the gospel, and someone doesn't know the word of God, when they first hear it, it can be offensive, and here's why. Because it's a book telling you that you're not good enough. Telling you that you can't do it on your own. Telling you that you are messed up, you are sinful, you have it all wrong, and you need someone that can do it for you. Man, it kind of hurts a little bit when you hear that. Because we live in a world that teaches the opposite. We live in a world that says you can do it. Whatever you want to be, you go do it. You can achieve whatever you want because the world is yours. It's your playing field. It's your opportunity. You go be whoever you want to be. Become whoever you want to become. Get as much money as you want to get. See, you can do those things because that's what the world promotes. Don't let people see your failures. Don't, let, don't be vulnerable. Don't let people see that side of you. Why? Because they... they They only want to see the best side of you because it's all about you. It's all about you. That's what the world promotes. But the Bible says, no, it's not all about you at all. Actually, it's all about Jesus. And the reason being is because he's the only one that's perfect. You see, we're people who live in a broken world and we're just as broken as the next person. And if we're saying, look, you know, here's my list of things I do wrong, but it's not, not, not compared to that. I know that some people that are living life way worse than I am. You're just trying to hear what your itching ears want you to hear. God wants you to hear the word of God. God wants you to hear the truth in his word. That you're only good enough because Jesus was first good enough. We're only called righteous and holy and redeemed because Jesus sacrificed everything on the cross so that we can be righteous and redeemed. So I hope that we see that this morning is that we need to be a congregation that is devoted to the word of God. Because this is the importance. Anything that is repeated in the Bible is because it's of utter importance. And he not only says it here that people have itching ears and they will go find teachers for themselves, but then he says they will turn away from the truth and wander off in a mist. He's saying the same thing that People will wander away from the truth because they don't want to hear it. And there will be someone to teach them what they want to hear. 
And as church leaders, as elders, as deacons, as staff members, as ministry directors, we need to be people who serve our congregation and teach them the word of God. But we need to do so truthfully. And here's the thing that I want you to understand is that the main reason I feel like we need to be devoted to the word of God is because if you're not devoted in your own life, someone can come up here and teach you whatever they want to teach you And if you don't know it for yourself, then you'll probably believe it. There's a short story about a guy named Lou. And this guy named Lou believed that lying is an art. That only the intelligent could lie. Because you have to craft it. You have to convince someone of something that's not true. He believed that even the unintelligent could tell the truth. Why? Because you're just a messenger transferring and relaying information. I want to read you a snippet of what Lou says about lying. He says this, but the lie is all up to you. It is more personal. It is yours. You imagine it, carefully create it until you believe in it, and then you make someone else believe in it, immediately establishing your superiority over him because now he thinks what you want him to think. His reality is what you painted for him. When you tell the truth, you are just a messenger carrying what is given to you. But when you lie, you're a creator, a God even. And you're believers, you have created followers of a different reality, one of your own making. We live in a world where people teach lies all the time. And they'll convince you of them. And the reason I bring this to mind is because it's scary how many people claim to teach the word of God only to teach it falsely. It is scary how many people claim Christianity only to teach it falsely. And you see, I could stand up here this morning and I could craft a lie. And I could convince you with it if you didn't read the Bible. But if you read the Bible and I were to tell you a lie of the Bible, then you would probably be able to say, no, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. How can you even teach that? Yeah, you can do that if you're in the Word. This is my encouragement to you this morning. It's 2022. It's a new year. We need to be a church family that is in the Word of God every day, together, individually, learning, growing, understanding more of his word, because there will be people who will try and tell you things that aren't true. There will be people who will try to lead you astray, and unless you know what's right or wrong from God himself, then you will not be able to dictate or differ or discern what is right or wrong. You may be able to fall into a trap that you didn't even know was a trap, And I've been really thinking about this because it scares me so much that there may be someone who stands on a stage every Sunday morning teaching what they believe or what they convince themselves of is true, yet it's not. And those who are sitting there listening to them may also believe it and it may not be true. And then there may be a whole congregation out there somewhere that's not going to end up in heaven with God because they haven't really 
been learning or reading from the Word of God. And that scares me so much because that's probably normal. I mean, you hear false prophets all the time in the Word of God, and you can only think about how many more there are today. And if we're not in the Word of God, how can we discern what's true and what's not? See, this morning, as leaders, if you're a leader in this church, I encourage you to lead from the truth of the gospel and only from the truth of the gospel. And if you come here and you're just here on Sunday mornings and you're here in connection groups and you're a part of the church, I pray that you're devoted to the word of God. Because if we want to see God move, if we want to see a true church built here in Seminole, it has to be rooted in none other than the word of God. The word of God needs to be our sole foundation. And I pray that you can see that this morning. And I pray that if you think, man, you know, I really don't read the Bible that much or my only understanding of the Bible is when I go to church on Sunday and they teach me. Well, luckily that's a blessing if you come here because we do have sound teaching. But I know there's so many people that that's where they get their understanding of the Bible is from others that teach it. But there's also so many that teach it falsely. And it's scary. It really is. So my encouragement to you this morning is that we can be a church that's built on the truth of the gospel. And we are a church that's built on the truth of the gospel. And I pray that if you're not in the word this morning, that God will convict you of that and that you will be able to get in the word and find joy in that. Because for me, I don't like reading. Never have. Maybe never will. I don't know. Maybe I will. I don't know. But what I do know is that I do find joy in reading the Word of God because God always teaches me something. Even when I pick up the Word of God because I feel like I need to read it today and I don't care to read it, but I read it anyways, God still shows me something. I want you to understand that this morning is that there's power in the Word of God and we just need to pick it up. We need to read it. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back and I pray that you take one this morning. Start reading it. See what God can teach you. Because this is a new year, it's a new opportunity, it's a new chance to be more devoted tomorrow than we were today. And to keep that mentality for the rest of our life, that we need to be more devoted to the Word of God tomorrow than we are today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that you even took the time to give us your Word. Lord, what a blessing it is You didn't have to write it. You didn't need the word of God. You didn't need it. You are God. But you knew we did. So, Lord, you gave it to us. Lord, I pray that we don't take it for granted. Lord, I pray that if we've had a Bible and it's been sitting on the shelf collecting dust, that we we pick it up today. Lord, I pray that we're, we're a congregation that's devoted to your word that we're devoted to you and to you alone. That if we're trying to discern areas of our life, directions of our life we should go, Lord, that we don't go asking other people, Lord, that we come to you, that we come to your word. Lord, I pray that we have faith in your word. We have faith in who you are. Lord, the world's broken and we know that. 
but you sent us a Savior to redeem us of our brokenness. And Lord, I pray, I pray that if there's someone in here that doesn't know that this morning, if there's someone in here that that doesn't know you this morning, that you make yourself known to them. Lord, I pray that you make yourself known to them. Lord, I pray that we can be a church family that loves one another well, that we can hold each other accountable, that we can hold each other accountable to reading your word, to growing in our faith. Lord, you tell us that as iron sharpens iron, as Christians, we should do the same thing for another brother or sister. Lord, I pray that we can be a church family that is solely focused on you. I pray as this new year kicks off, that we can get on the right foot, the right foundation of your word, that we can get in it regularly, not because we have to, but because we want to. And Lord, I pray that when we do, you show us something new every day. I pray that we know more of your word tomorrow than we do today. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.